ओम अज्ञानतिरांधस्य ज्ञानाजनशलाकया चक्षुरुन्मीलिताजेना तस्म श्रीगुरव नमः नम ओं विष्णुपदाय कृष्णपृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिवेदातस्वामी नामिने नमस्ते सरस्वतीदेवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषून्यवादी पाश्चत्तिशुताणे हरे कृष्ण थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर गिविंग मी दिस ऑपर्चुनिटी टू कम यर दिस इवनिंग एंड बी विथ यू ऑल इट्स वेरी इंस्पायरिंग टू सी हाउ वंडरफुली यू ऑल आर रिस्पॉन्डिंग टू कृष्ण कॉन्शियसनेस Is it all right if I speak in English? Uh, how many of you think that is all right? Please raise your hand. Okay, so most of you are okay with it. <coughs> We are here to impart, to distribute, to give. the wisdom of the vedas the wisdom of the vedas are the wisdom that came from another world another reality we are in the material world now this is the world of matter but beyond that there is another reality another world that is the world of consciousness spiritual reality <clears throat> we can get an idea of that that world of spiritual reality or the world of consciousness by just observing the world around us we see that this is the world of matter and we also notice that by nature matter is inert matter is inert like so for example this chair it's inert the stable is inert the floor the wall this building all are inert matter but you and i we are conscious we are alive although our bodies are made of matter and although by nature matter is inert but our bodies are not inert our bodies are conscious our bodies are living now naturally the question arises what causes these bodies to become alive and 
when you probe into that, <coughs> then automatically we recognize that it is because of the presence of the soul. Due to the presence of the soul in this body, made of matter, made of dead matter, is alive. And when the soul leaves the body, the body made of dead matter becomes dead again. We call it uh, death, but is the death of this body. Why? Because the soul left the body. The soul as it was present in the body, the body was alive. And the moment the soul left the body, the body became dead. So then, automatically it leads to a consideration, a question, where does the soul come from? Or what is the nature of the soul? At least we can see that the nature of the soul is so, so distinct with its consciousness that its presence in the body made of dead matter became conscious. The soul is so conscious that it makes the dead body conscious, dead body alive. And that soul came from another reality, the spiritual reality, the world of, uh, at least we can define it as the world of consciousness. Now the question is, who are we? Are we our bodies or are we the soul? Apparently, we consider that this body is me. I am this body. That's our identification here. We are identifying ourselves with the body. But the question is, is that the real identity? Am I really this body? Now, let us consider, the body had been changing. When I was a little boy, little child, I had one kind of a body. When we, I reached my boyhood, the childhood body disappeared, another body uh, developed. Then the body became a young man's body. And in this way, the body had been changing from five years to fifteen to twenty-five and so forth. Now, although my body had been changing, am I not the same person? Like five-year-old me and uh, today's me, seventy-two years old me, is the same me. Although, the five-year-old body is not there anymore. Now just think about it. Doesn't it apply to all of us? Doesn't this principle or consideration is relevant to all of us? Where is your... Were you five-year-old at some point in time? And did you have a different body at that time? 
Now where is that body? At least we know that not a single cell of that body is living in today's body. <laughs> Therefore, uh, my body changed. My five-year-old body is not there anymore. Uh, but uh, still, I am the same person, although I am in a different body. Does it make sense, this point? So the question is, who am I then? Am I the body or am I the soul? The natural answer to that will be, we are spiritual beings. We are the souls. But unfortunately, we have forgotten about our spiritual identity. This is the arrangement by the illusory energy of the Lord called Maya. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has various energies and his external energy is called Maya and it has its wonderful illusory influence. And that illusory influence makes us forget who we actually are. And that energy is playing or acting in order to remind us about our relationship with the Lord. How it is punishing us when we go away from the Lord and this energy rewards us when you get closer to the Lord. That is how this energy of the Lord or Maya potency acts. Just like, have you seen an animal being trained like a dog being trained? How many of you have seen a dog being trained? So, how the dog is trained? When the dog does the right thing, the dog gets rewarded with a biscuit, with a cookie. And when does the dog, when the dog does the wrong thing, it gets a stick. So this is how the dog learns what to do and what not to do. In a similar way, Maya is teaching us, training us. When you do the right thing, Maya rewards us. When you do the wrong thing, Maya punishes us. And in the ultimate consideration, what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing? Huh? The right and the ultimate consideration of right and wrong is the activities that take us towards Krishna the activities that take us towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead, those are the right activities. And the activities that take us away from the Lord is the wrong activity. So when we act in such a way that takes us away from the Lord, Maya punishes us. And the activities that take us towards the Lord, Maya rewards us. 
so in this way maya is actually training us to go towards the spiritual reality okay so now let me go back to uh, the preliminary point that i made that beyond this material nature there is another reality the spiritual reality now if i ask you at this point how many of you accept that another reality another world exists beyond our perception beyond our sight the spiritual reality thank you so it makes me makes it easier for me to 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 approach the points now the question is how do we know the things that we didn't see how do we know that it exists it become we become aware of it through information actually what is knowledge knowledge is information when you have the information we know when you don't have the information we do not know now the predominating factor of that spiritual reality is the supreme personality of godhead he is identified by various names uh, like krishna rama vishnu narayan uh, etc he is one supreme personality but he has many names according to his qualities and his activities like uh, probably you can consider in latin one of the names of the lord is omnipotent uh, the word omnipotent means omni means all and potent means powerful who is all powerful he is all powerful omniscient means he knows everything therefore god is identified Uh, as omniscient omnipresent he is present everywhere uh, so this is how bible is describing god but when you go to it then you see these are actually the uh, definition of his qualities his qualities uh, he being or he is all powerful that's one of his qualities he knows everything his quality he is present everywhere qualities similarly krishna means all attractive so it is not that krishna is a hindu god a product of somebody's imagination no he is krishna because in sanskrit it is indicating that he is all attractive karshati iti krishna he attracts all attractive therefore he is krishna he is the supreme enjoyer and giver of supreme pleasure therefore he is rama he is sustaining all the living entities 
therefore he is Vishnu. So these are, these names are actually indicative of his qualities. But he is one without a second. He is the supreme personality. Like his identity can be uh, or has been described through some examples like for example like he has been identified as the sun sun is the source of light and the light also has rays many many innumerable rays uh, there also uh, light but minute light so he is identified as the sun and we are like a rays of his rays coming from him that is one identification of the Lord and us our relationship thus with him the rays are coming uh, from the sun so the sun is the source of all the rays uh, and we all are uh, those uh, minute uh, particles that are coming from him so in this way through certain examples our identity in relation to him can be uh, understood Another example uh, is a spark and fire. The spark is fire. But the spark is fire uh, only as long as the spark is with the fire. The moment the spark comes out of the fire, it loses its fiery quality. And falling on a heap of ash, it becomes ash. So similarly, we are uh, minute parts and particles of the Lord. And when we lose our relationship with Him, then we lose our spiritual qualities. And falling in this world of matter, we begin to identify ourselves with matter. So that is the difference uh, or that is our relationship with Him. Now you see the thing, we are spiritual only as long as we are connected to Him. When we become separated from Him, then we lose our spiritual qualities. Uh, just as the spark separating from the fire became ash falling on heap of ash it was spark it was fire only as long as it was in relation to it was connected to the Lord the moment it became separated from the Lord it lost its fire qualities similarly when we become separated from the Lord then we lose our spiritual quality and falling in the world of matter we 
identify ourselves with matter. Like we are, uh, although we are spiritual beings, because we have become separated from Him, we have we have become, we are identifying ourselves with matter. We are identifying ourselves with this body, but in reality we are not this body. Now the consideration is that spark, that was a minute inflammable particle when it is taken back to the fire then what happens does it remain ash anymore no it becomes fire again similarly when we become connected to the Lord we regain our spiritual identity so this is the basic teachings of the Vedas and this teaching is actually pointing out that Mrityurma Amritam Gamayo from the world of death you enter into the world of immortality. Now everybody wants to be immortal. Like today the pharmaceutical business is the most thriving business, multi-trillion dollar business today. Did you ever consider why? Why pharmaceutical business is the most you know, lucrative business? Because of the simple fact that no one wants to die. Because no one wants to die, in order to remain alive, they are taking whatever medicine is being presented to them. But the point is, in spite of all their endeavors, will they be able to be, will they be able to conquer death? No. No one in this world is immortal because the body is mortal this body will die when the soul will leave the body isn't it an universal truth <laughs> like Actually, there is one, although this is the world of duality, but there is one universal truth, one absolute truth in this world. There is no absolute truth in this world in general, but no, there is one absolute truth, and that is everybody will die. All of us have to die. That is one absolute truth. Otherwise, uh, it is a world of relativity no absolute there anyway the point here is <clears throat> who dies the body when does the body die when the soul leaves the body when the soul leaves the body the body dies now as we went back to the beginning of the discourse are we the body or the soul? 
at least theoretically we can consider that I mean theoretically you can consider uh, like are you your body in reality are you your body or you are the spirit soul are you the deha or the atma sharir or atma uh, how many of you at least will theoretically accept that you are the spirit soul okay <laughs> very nice <laughs> now uh, that means you are not the body you are the spirit soul what is the body uh, how many of you read Bhagavad Gita okay so you all know the answer uh, the body is like a dress an external covering of the soul now just as we are wearing a dress but that dress is not our actual identity our actual identity is ourself similarly this body is like a dress that we are wearing for the time being and at some point we leave this body when we leave the body then who will die? When you leave the body, who will die? The body will die. Alright, is that point clear? The body will die uh, because the soul left the body. Uh, now, as you considered before, uh, again, what is your actual identity? Who are you? Soul. So who dies? Body dies. You are not the body. You are the soul. Will you die? Huh? So see how easily we can achieve, we can attain immortality. It's a very, very simple thing uh, to achieve provided we are, uh, we get the right information. So the whole world wants to become immortal. Everybody wants to become immortal. But the point is, in reality, everyone is immortal. Because of his false identification with the body, when the body, body dies, he thinks that he is dead. He is dying. But in reality, none of us will die. We all are, therefore the Vedas are making that statement. Tamas mriturma amritam gamayo. From the world of death you enter into the world of immortality. Because that is where you belong. Srinnantu vishe amritasya putra. See, one of the first instructions of the Vedas is so full of assurance. Listen, the children of immortality. <laughs> that's the wisdom, that's the instructions of the Vedas. The Vedas are re reminding us, you all, we all are the children of immortality. Amritasya Putra. We all are the children of, we all are immortal. 
we all came from the world uh, of uh, eternity. We all are eternal. We all are full of knowledge. We all are full of joy. But because we have severed our relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, therefore we have lost those spiritual qualities. So anyway, uh, I hope I have been able to present this point properly that how, how easy it is to achieve immortality. It's a matter of only just shifting our consciousness from body to the soul. It's simply becoming aware of our actual identity being spiritual, not material. And immediately we are situated in the platform of immortality. Immortality is achieved. Thank you all very much. Uh, please uh, feel free to ask questions. Uh, like if anybody has any que question, please feel free to ask. <laughs> if you are feeling shy to ask, then you can write it down. Thank you. There's a question from Akash Das, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. If we reach spiritual world and then again misuse our free will, then would we fall down again in this material world? If yes, then why Krishna says, that one who reaches my spiritual abode, then he never comes back here. Uh, very good question. So, yes, uh, the simple answer to that will be, once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> once you have seen how terrible this material world is, and after so much endeavor, when you go back to the spiritual world, and when you experience how wonderful the spiritual world is, then would you ever like to come back again? No. So that's why uh, Krishna says, Jad gatvana nibartante, stadhamo paramangamo. Once one goes there, never comes back here. Yeah, please feel free to ask questions or, you know, write the questions down uh, because there lies the real discussion actually, real sharing of knowledge uh, through, through this question answers. This is from Sunit. Is that Sunit? Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Yesterday I have seen a video about a paradox According to that paradox, suppose God has created a stone which cannot 
be lifted by anyone, then he also cannot lift it. But he is God. How could he not lift it? <laughs> so, because my point is, will the answer to that will be, uh, Sumit, because he is omnipotent, all-powerful, nothing is impossible for him. You get it? <laughs> so he can, you know, what to speak of lifting a stone, just by his will, he is causing innumerable universes floating in the space. Now can you imagine what his potency is like? Just he glances towards the material nature and the whole creation becomes manifest. So that is what he is like. Now this kind of consideration, you know, like as you say, if he creates a stone that no one can lift and he cannot lift, these are all just some I mean, I would say, fancy jugglery of words, right? Like as you said it at the beginning of your question, the paradox. It's just a paradox. You know. Does it answer your question, Sumi? Thank you. Krishnarpet. Okay. Hare Krishna. Sit down. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisance. Maharaj, my question was, when a devotee is new in Krishna consciousness, then he loses faith initially that we are soul because of the bodily attachment. So how to regain faith? You see, faith will be regained or established when you get proper information. Uh, and that is why it's so important to study the scriptures like Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam and listen to the devotees who thoroughly understood those scriptures. Uh, so that's why it's so... These two things are very important. To associate with the devotees uh, who has their faith firmly established and you know reading the scriptures that reminds us about Krishna's inconceivable uh, mercy and uh, potency. Jagamohan <clears throat> Das Okay. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, Dhanavad Pranam. Guru Maharaj, we read in Bhagavad Gita that demigods fight for nectar. Do the demigods not have the informations that we are immortal beings? Yes, the demigods also don't have that information properly. They live for a long time and they have a body which is almost immortal. They have, because, you know, they have a very long duration of life. But they don't have that clear understanding that they are the 
the parts and parcels of Krishna and their identity is that they are eternal servants of Krishna. Uh, their uh, yeah, simple point is that demigods don't have that spiritual information to that extent. And that's why for a demigod to get out of this material nature, have to come down to the earth planet, get a human body, develop devotion to Krishna and then go back. So the point is that unless and until one develops pure devotion to Krishna, one cannot properly have that understanding about his spiritual identity. Alright? So that's why a devotee's situation is even higher than that of a demigod. That's another way of, one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is like the demigods have been assigned with certain duties, certain responsibilities by Krishna. They are executing that responsibility. Therefore, they are just absorbed in, you know, serving Krishna in their respective position. They are not so much concerned about liberation as such. Right? And as a result of that, they are getting lots of facilities. Like an employee of a company, you know, his business is to serve his master in that respective position and he gets the facilities from the company for that. Uh, is that Nitin Kumar? Thank you, Nitin. We are the parts and parts, parts of spiritual world then why did the God send us to this material world? Okay, very good question, Nitin. You see, the Lord has given us independence because our relationship with Him is a loving relationship, relationship of love. And love cannot be forced. You cannot force somebody to love you. Isn't it? Therefore, the, therefore Krishna also has given us the independence to decide for ourselves whether we love him or not. So since he has given us the independence, what he has given us the freedom to decide what we want to do. Now when we want to enjoy away from Him, when we want to become like Him, then He sends us in this world where we can try to become like Him. Try to become the enjoyer. Try to become the controller. Try to become the supreme authority. But the thing is that no matter how, we, how much we try to do that, we can never become like that. Rather, the more we try to do that, the more we suffer. The reality is, the more we try to enjoy here, the more we suffer. So, because Krishna has given us the independence, therefore, when we want something, 
he allows us to do that so when we wanted to enjoy he has given us the facility because in this world because in that world that is the world of absolute truth there is no room for falsity we can never become the enjoyer we are enjoyed we are not the lord and masters we are the servants so when we want to become the lord and master when we want to become the enjoyer then we had to come to another world where that would be possible in that world it was not possible so he created this world to give us the opportunity to try to become like him become the lord and master become the enjoyer and by trying to do that when we suffer then eventually we realize that uh, that we are it is not possible for us and that also happens only when we come across a devotee of the lord he reminds us that this is not the world of enjoyment this is a world of suffering we are not meant to enjoy uh, but we are meant to be enjoyed by the lord we are not the lord and masters we are the servants and in this way when we receive the informations from him from such a person then we turn towards him and become situated in our actual position of eternal knowledge and bliss quite a few <laughs> questions coming yeah? initially there was no questions coming <laughs> anyway let me see how many i can answer then nitin also has a question after that can we become immortal by the uh, by solving materialistic problems like hunger and poverty okay the answer to that will be there are many countries in this world those who have solved the problems of hunger and poverty but still they die there <laughs> isn't it like countries like america doesn't have poverty doesn't have hunger but still people are dying and not only dying they're suffering more than many poor countries actually <laughs> because materialistic endeavors don't really lead to enjoyment but suffering uh, is this shruti or smriti which says lord is krishna any verse from vedas you can quote dandavat pranam yeah like if you get you see shruti and smriti shruti means whose question is this the no name was given okay <laughs> what's your name abhishek okay thank you <clears throat> okay i'll stop taking the questions now <laughs> i mean this can keep us going for quite some time <laughs> okay shruti means that knowledge 
that was received by hearing. And smriti means memory. Like when that knowledge has been absorbed uh, and assimilated. Like in general you can say Shruti is the Vedas and Smritis are like Upanishads, uh, mainly Upanishads and Purans. So if we take the Vedas, like in Vedas you see the things are given in uh, not in an elaborate explanatory way. You know, like because the understanding was there, you know, just the presentation was enough, you know. Like, say for example, the Vedas are saying, saw Aikshata, he glanced. Right? He glanced and the material world became manifest. Now, you see, although it's saying he, but the question, you know, like, Automatically, the understanding goes, who is that he? Do you have any doubt who is that he? He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then this Vedic knowledge flew in through, to through different branches. One branch is the Upanishad branch and the other branch is the Puran branch. The essence of the Upanishad branch is Bhagavad Gita or Gita Upanishad. And essence of Shim, the Puran is Srimad Bhagavatam. So these two scriptures are giving very, very elaborate understanding, very direct understanding. Like Bhagavad Gita, Krishna himself is speaking about himself. So what can be more authoritative than that? So this is how, you know, like one can see that, you know, Shruti and Smriti both are actually speaking about Krishna. Vedaishya Sarvair Ahameva Vedya. In all the Vedas, Krishna is saying, I alone am to be known. Mitesh Das Okay I know that we have separate identity in the spiritual world but the impersonalists say that we will mix with Supreme Brahman and how to deal with them if they give analogy that because spark of the fire mixes with fire and loses its identity. You see, this spark, fire, these are all some examples. The examples should not be taken literary. Right? Like examples are there to give an idea, to clarify the understanding. But it's not that uh, Krishna is fire, the Supreme Lord is fire, and we are spark, and the, just as spark becomes one with the fire, we become one with Krishna, right? But in reality, Krishna has his identity, we have our identity. And this identity is never lost. 
Krishna has his identity as the supreme person and we have our identity as his parts and parcels. Now his identity remains, our identity also remains. Right? It is not that when we go back to the spiritual world, we lose our identity and become one with him. That's a misconception. As you mentioned, the impersonalist. That's the impersonalist misconception. Krishna is a person, we are a person. So where is the room for impersonalism? Right? <laughs> Harsh. Okay. Hare Krishna Maharaji, as stated by Sri Rupa Goswami, that Krishna is sent person God, Narayan is 94% God, Shiva is 84% God, and then how much person God Balaram is? <laughs> yeah. Balaram also, you see, it's God is God, right? The thing is, it's a, man, it's a manifestation of his potency. It's a, that, to that percent, he is actually displaying his potency. Right? So, like Krishna, Balaram, Narayan, they all are in one category. But when it comes to Lord Shiva, then it is another tattva. Right? God is Vishnu Tattva. And Shiva is Shiva Tattva. And we are Jiva Tattva. Right? So, so, when it comes to Jiva Tattva, then, you know, we can never, we may display some qualities that he has, but never to the extent that he has. And as Lord Shiva, the difference between Vishnu Tattva and Lord Shiva Tattva is that Vishnu Tattva is the Lord is maintaining his identity as he is. Whereas with, as Lord Shiva, he is, uh, he has transformed himself into another identity. For example, the example is given at the say in Brahma Samhita just as milk turns into yogurt dahi when the milk becomes dahi there is no difference between milk and dahi isn't it the milk became dahi right but when the milk has turned into dahi it has not it's not milk anymore and the milk can become dahi, but dahi cannot become milk. Vishnu can become Shiva, but Shiva cannot become Vishnu. Okay, now why he transformed himself? There is Lord's external potency, this material nature. This material nature is external potency 
and because it is external potency he cannot deal with it directly you get the point like if the Lord deals with this nature directly it will not remain external it will become his internal potency you get the point here when he is dealing directly then it is the internal potency when it is separated from him it is external potency right so when it is his external potency he cannot deal with it directly therefore you know he uh, therefore he uh, transforms himself into Lord Shiva to deal with the material nature now you look at it the material nature personified is Durga and who is the husband of Durga Lord Shiva so this is the understanding in order to deal with this material nature the Lord transformed himself into Lord Shiva who is the Lord of Maya or this material nature okay Shivam okay Guru Maharaj as you stated that Maya Devi rewards us according to our actions but when we practice Krishna consciousness why does she provide obstacles instead of supporting us no Maya doesn't put obstacles Maya actually puts us through tests and those tests are meant to promote us right just like you are studying throughout the year and at the end of the year comes the examination now the teacher who taught you throughout the year right he himself becomes the invigilator and test put, puts you through the test but what is the purpose of the test to promote you to the next class so similarly Maya puts us through tests in order to promote us at the same time we run the risk of failing <laughs> like if we don't answer the questions properly uh, then it's bad luck for us <laughs> so Maya Maya's, Maya is a sub made servant of Krishna so Maya's business is actually to take us to Krishna not take us away from Krishna but through this test she is qualifying us and until and unless we are qualified she won't allow us to go to Krishna that is her role okay this question is from Lalit okay Lalit uh, Hare Krishna Prabhuji if soul resides in body and this body is material body is mortal then why this material body is changing states from childhood to youth to old age if soul is immortal and divine and if it is residing in this body then why this body is unstable and changing states 
why because of the uh, because of the is that what did you say is that the power of soul yeah uh, because of the power of soul it becomes ever youth and should not change its states and not then what is there behind which is changing the states of the body is the is it preplanned why a soul does not have any control over the body it resides in why the divine effects of soul becomes null and void when it enters into the body that's so so many wise lalit <laughs> okay the simple answer to this all this wise is <clears throat> you see we all are spirit souls right we are in the spiritual world and when we want something that is not appropriate like say for example as i was mentioning we are not the enjoyers we are enjoyed we are not the masters we are not the lords but we are servants but when we desire to become the lord and master when we desire to enjoy ourselves then krishna provides us the facility right is that point clear that krishna is providing us the facility to fulfill our desires hmm. but that fulfillment the fulfillment of those desires will not be possible in that spiritual world huh? because there's the world of reality right there no re- no room for falsity right there is no way we can become the lord and master there so in order to fulfill our desires krishna creates this material nature and in this material nature we are getting an opportunity to become the lord and master we are getting an opportunity to try to enjoy and the way to do that uh, krishna is providing us with the body made of matter right so that we can function in this world of matter is that point clear the soul cannot function uh, in this material world in order to function in a material world we need a body homogeneous to the material nature and that's why we got a body made of matter and through this body we are trying to enjoy through this body we are trying to become the lord and master through this body we are trying to fulfill our uh, innumerable desires right and but the out ultimate outcome is that no matter how much you try to do whatever you are trying to do it never culminates into fulfillment does it answer your question lalit yeah so krishna is providing us the facility 
to fulfill our desire. But those desires are wrong desires. Therefore, when we try to fulfill those desires, we end up suffering. And uh, when we come onto the right track, that is, we recognize that Krishna is the supreme enjoyer and we are his subservients, we are his servants. And then we try to serve him. Uh, then we try to develop our relationship with him as his servants, as his subordinates. Then we become qualified to go back. Then we retain our, then we regain our spiritual identity and go back there. Whereas in the material nature, all that is happening, the spirit soul is experiencing through the bodies made of matter. Alright? <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> then Arjun. Okay, Arjun. Thank you. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Sometimes people ask that Vedas were written by some person. So how there can be perfect knowledge? Then how we can justify? As you mentioned, sometimes people ask that Vedas were written by some person. Now is it true that the Vedas were written by some persons or the Vedas were given by the Lord himself? What will be your answer, Arjun? Yeah, the thing is, the knowledge came from the Lord, right? And then Brahma imparted that knowledge. Brahma received it, gave it. And as far as the writing is concerned, Brahma didn't write. Those days the knowledge was imparted by just speaking. Writing started only 5,000 years ago. Because in this age of Kali, which started 5,000 years ago, the memory of the people will be so, so weak that they won't be able to remember what they heard. Therefore, there was a need to write down. And that is why Vasudev, uh, who spoke the Vedas, for the benefit of us, gave it to us, Ganesh, to write it. He didn't write it. Vasudev also didn't write it. Vasudev spoke. Ganesh wrote. So because Ganesh wrote it, that doesn't mean that the knowledge is coming from Ganesh. Because Vasudev spoke it, it doesn't mean that the knowledge came from Vasudev. Like say for example, I am speaking. Is it my knowledge? No. It is the knowledge that I received from my spiritual master. Right? So in this way it goes back to Lord Brahma. And then finally, it goes back to Krishna. So this Vedic knowledge came from Krishna. Hmm. Thank you. Ankit Kumar. Okay. So the question is, as it is said that in every second of Mahavishnu, our universe is created and we come into this material universe because of uh, Ichha Dvesha. My question is, 
<coughs> because of uni because of universe is created every time that's why we have ichadesh or there is ichadesh that's why universe is created yeah a <laughs> good point so as i pointed out you see we desired ichha means desire we desire to enjoy like krishna so that as you are asking whether ichha dvesha was first or creation of this world came first no because we desired krishna created this arrangement where we can fulfill our desires and develop our dvesha uh, our aversion to krishna uh, okay harsh again okay <clears throat> in the higher planetary systems in the material world as well as spiritual world now in the higher planetary system in the material world as well as spiritual world why it is like that that all demigods want to descend in this material world for achieving perfection is krishna not merciful on the residents of higher planets yeah good question you see in the higher planets there is uh some very special facilities for enjoyment and they are so absorbed in their enjoyment that they like the way they are right they don't want to change their situation so that is the situation in the higher planetary system like that's why there they don't really consider the need for you know getting out of here like for example you know a person we notice a person who is very wealthy very famous very rich they don't turn towards you know spiritual life because they are enjoying the situation so much that they don't see any need to change that situation whereas when one suffers then only questions why am i suffering why do i have to be here you get the point and that is why the earth planet is so good such a wonderful place to be in because here we are subjected to suffering and that leads to the question why am i suffering and that leads to the point how can i get out of this suffering condition right anand okay <laughs> hari krishna maharaj thank you for uh, coming to bhopal and giving a wonderful lecture and enlightening us maharaj despite the science has become very advanced we are not able to attain immortality why <laughs> huh? yeah because 
the science has made advancement in the material direction and remaining in the material direction meaning identifying with the body you can never make the body immortal no matter how advanced how much adva how much advancement you made through science and technology but you'll never be able to make this body immortal right in order to attain immortality you have to transcend the bodily platform and recognize your actual identity being spiritual then only you will achieve uh, actual immortality otherwise you may prolong your span of life but will never achieve immortality no one in this world is immortal the next is rajendra das uh, when spark is out of the fire it will become ash but when ash again uh, establishes relation with the fire it will become fire similarly if we reestablish our relationship with god can we become equal to god uh, no qualitatively we can become equal like god is eternal uh, he is uh, uh, full of knowledge he is full of joy so that way these qualities we can achieve but the lord is absolute and we are minute therefore that quality we can never get we can never become god we can never become the supreme controller supreme proprietor and the supreme creator you get the point uh, the name yeah rajendra who is rajendra oh yeah okay you got the question uh, i got the answer rajendra i mean we can qualitatively become one with him uh, but not quantitatively just like a drop of water and ocean a drop of water is water qualitatively it's water so is the ocean uh, but a drop of water will never become the ocean all right so even when we go back to the spiritual world yes qualitatively we become one with him there we also become immortal we also become full of knowledge we also become full of joy but not uh, the absolute as he is yash okay <laughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj please explain my humble obeisance question Guru Maharaj knowledge uh, uh, rather uh, knowing each thing that we are soul there is eternal abode but why sometimes there is so much difficulty in uh, what is that difficulty to incline inclined is it inclined or difficulty to be uh, inclined towards krishna and his services 
that is because you know for so many lifetimes we are trying to enjoy right and so when it comes to you know give up that propensity and serve we develop some reluctance <laughs> but you know through practice that will go away when we develop the taste of real enjoyment by serving him you get the point like now we have developed the tendency to enjoy through our sense gratification but the real enjoyment comes in by being related to krishna but because we have a tendency to get this enjoyment through sense gratification you know we have this reluctance to give up that tendency and serve krishna all right akash das okay <clears throat> uh demigods drank nectar still they are not immortal so what benefit they got by drinking nectar what is significance of nectar this nectar prolongs the life of the body so demigods body by drinking nectar have very very long duration and you know the due to the effect of nectar they don't experience old age right and so forth but eventually they also have to go so that's why this nectar is giving us a also a temporary benefit just like by med- drinking medicine uh, taking medicine sometimes somebody gets longer duration of life we can see that uh, the duration of life is increased but that doesn't give immortality even the demigods are not immortal at the time of annihilation they also have to live give up their situation give up their bodies and die all right thank you shailendra okay hari krishna guru mahesh dhanavat in bhagavad gita uh, it is written that uh, we all are controlled by three modes of material nature then uh, what is free will so please describe what is free will very good question the fr- free will is to desire something uh, on our own right so we have the desire uh, we have the ability to desire and we have a kind of a illusory influ- uh, illusory arrangement that we are able to fulfill those desires uh, but actually we are not uh, like for example we are trying to enjoy uh, but we are trying to enjoy but we are seeing that in the process of our endeavor for enjoyment we are actually suffering 
For example, one thinks that if he can make a lot of money, he will enjoy. But while he is trying to make the money, he is undergoing so much difficulties. So he is desiring to have a lot of money uh, to enjoy, but in the process of doing that, he is actually suffering. Uh, so that is why this world is considered to be illusory. It gives you the impression that you can enjoy, but in reality, you end up becoming suffer. You, you end up suffering. The illusory influence is giving you the impression that you can lord and master, but you end up serving everyone else. So that is the, uh, the condition of this world. We are desiring, uh, that is our free will. We desire, uh, but the ultimate fulfillment of the desire is not up to us. We are being controlled by three modes of material nature, as we mentioned, and the, our karmic reactions. As we are acting, we are subjected to the reactions. So the point is, in reality, there is no freedom. Although the free will is there, but no freedom is there. Krishna gave knowledge, gave the knowledge 5,000 years ago, and the Buddha gave knowledge after the Krishna. We follow Krishna's instructions but not of Buddha. Yeah. <clears throat> Buddha came to fulfill certain purpose. That is, Krishna, or rather Krishna came as Buddha to fulfill certain purpose. And that purpose actually is to stop the animal sacrifice that was going on in the name of the Vedas. And that's why we see that Buddha did not give the actual spiritual knowledge. He simply gave us certain ethical uh, and moral principles. Do this, don't do that, uh, speak the truth, be respectful to superiors, you know, don't hurt others, don't be violent. These were the teachings of Buddha. And so, you know, he did that. He came to achieve certain purpose, but that purpose was not the ultimate goal. And that's why Buddha's instructions are not really so important to us. Whereas Krishna's instruction in Bhagavad Gita is of absolute importance. Okay, thank you so much. We had... So many nice questions. I was, uh, I generally I like to speak uh, not for too long. I like to make the presentation short, but I want the question answer query to be long. And I'm very happy that it happened. And uh, thank you all very, very much for all these very wonderful questions. Hare Krishna.